When you use the UTalk app, you develop your speaking and listening skills in a new language from day one. And with more than 140 languages, they probably have just what you're looking for. How does it work? Play games, score points, and you'll be on your way in no time. Subscribe today to get access to all 2,500 words and phrases in your chosen language. Plus, save 20% on your next subscription by visiting uta.lk slash speaking tongues. Happy language learning! You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 74, Speaking Quechua. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. This week, I'm so happy to bring you this conversation with Luz of Quechua Tarime, where we talked about the Quechua language and culture. In this episode, Luz talks about the way Quechua language was perceived by peers in school in her native Peru. She talked about some of the discrimination that Quechua speakers face that drove some speakers of the language to hide their knowledge of it. We talked about what it was like speaking Spanish coming from her town in the Andes to the capital of Lima, and even the way that Quechua speakers mix the two languages. Luz talks to us about dialects of Quechua that can be found throughout the Andes, and we find out how many speakers there are across Argentina, Bolivia, Colombia, and Ecuador as well. One thing that I loved is talking about the culture among Quechua speakers and the principles and traditions that they uphold, including three rules that come from the Inca Empire that are so very important to today. But I have to say, of all the things that Luz talks to us about, my absolute favorite part of this episode is the song that Luz sings for us in Quechua. Thank you to Luz for sharing parts of your language and culture with us. If you enjoyed this episode of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, or like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now support us on buymeacoffee.com. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Luz. How are you today, Luz? I'm doing well. Happy to be here with you, Ellie. <laughs> so excited to talk to you about Quechua language and culture. And I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? My first language is Quechua and Spanish because I grew up uh, speaking both languages. So uh, I love uh, more Quechua because Quechua is my uh, grandparents' tongue. Mm -hmm. So I consider uh, Quechua as my first language. Did you only hear Quechua and Spanish spoken in your community when you were growing up? I heard both. Okay. Uh, yeah, Quechua and Spanish. Uh, yes, and Spanish was more common uh, in the school, in the community, and Quechua was more in the rural areas, especially my grandmother. She spoke only Quechua. That's why I'm fortunate to uh, have learned from her. That's amazing. When you were in school and you said Spanish was spoken in school and I assume the language of instruction. Um, what kind of options did you have in school to learn and experience other languages? It's interesting. In the school, there was a class, uh, Span Span I'm sorry, it was an English class. And I tried to learn English uh, in the school uh, but it was so kind of foreign, foreign language for me. 
uh, that I learned the very basic uh, thing. Uh, it was interestingly that we have Quechua in our community or people spoke Quechua, but it wasn't encouraged in the school. Uh, in the contrary, it was a little bit, it was seen as a, uh, you know, if you speak Quechua, you belong to the lower class. Mm. So it wasn't encouraged to speak Quechua when you were in school, even among like your friends? We could speak Quechua uh, among our friends, but it was mostly uh, our friends were uh, laugh at us if we speak Quechua. So for that reason, uh, we kind of didn't want to speak Quechua because I think it was uh, because of the history of Quechua. Uh, you know, the discrimination and if you spoke Quechua and you have this uh, different way of pronouncing the Spanish and, uh, you know, people just like make, make joke out of it and uh, laugh at you. So I guess when you were in school, there were people that you went to school with who had no knowledge of Quechua words or, or anything like that. I mean, they knew, uh, their parents knew Quechua, but it was this language that, you know, you know, but you don't speak. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So uh, when I moved from my little town, when I graduated school, I went to Lima. In Lima, I realized that my Spanish wasn't good enough. My Spanish had a different sound and I spoke a little differently than uh, people in Lima. And uh, there was a, a time that someone was just laughing at me. You, you don't say that way. <laughs> so then I realized, okay, my Spanish is not as well as I thought. <laughs> so I think uh, many of us who grew up in the Andes trying to learn Spanish, uh, have the same issues that when we migrate to the cities, uh, we realize that, you know, we are not still enough. We don't speak uh, a well Spanish to be uh, like the other ones. Oh, man. That's so like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, is it? How is it different, though? Was it just like the the accent like the way you were speaking Spanish was different than like a like the city accent in Lima or was it like using different words in Spanish that I, like how how was it different so uh, we have an expression for that uh, people in Peru call it uh, mote uh, you speak mote that means that your Spanish is broken and has some Quechua words in there. So sometimes uh, maybe I used a lot of diminutive words because in Quechua we use a lot of diminutive words. Mm. And uh, so that's uh, how I was used to speak in, in the Andes. So um, I think that was the difference sometimes because the vowels are a, a slightly different. If, for example, if I say, um, in Spanish, in Spanish, vámonos, and in a, it will be vámonos, uh, because we use that U, I mean the U, instead of the O. So uh, little sounds like that, and in the city could make a lot of difference. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really interesting. I have a lot to learn about. <laughs> I have a lot to learn about languages in Peru. Um, but speaking of Quechua, um, in preparing for this conversation, for this episode, I, I read that Quechua is not just one language, but several languages. Is that true? Yes. Uh, well, I will say more than several languages. I will say several dialects. Oh, okay. In, in different region of Peru, we have different dialects of Quechua. So for example, uh, I'm from Huancavelica, which is in the uh, mountain, like central of Peru. Uh, it's kind of south central of Peru. And uh, we speak Quechua Chanca. 
And there's also Quechua Goyao that is spoke mostly in uh, Cusco and um, other uh, regions of uh, Peru. And then we have um, a, like a, a Quechua Central that's a little uh, central and a little north of Peru. So these are different varieties or dialects of Quechua. Since Quechua was uh, only a spoken language, I think uh, it created that uh, difference of dialects. But I, I can understand um, people from Cusco. I can understand people from the north and from uh, other countries too, because Quechua is not only in Peru, it's in Ecuador, uh, it's in uh, Bolivia, in Chile, in Argentina. So uh, Quechua is a slightly different, but I can understand them, most of them. Oh, wow. So the ones that are spoken in outside of Peru, like in Bolivia, Argentina, are do those have greater differences than the ones that are spoken, that you mentioned that are spoken in Peru? Uh, as far as I heard from Bolivia, it's, we have a lot of similarities. And I do understand very well people from Argentina and I cannot uh, highlight like the big differences, it's just like uh, terms like we have in Spanish, uh, we use different Spanish in Mexico than maybe in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we still understand each other. I think we have similarities like that. Um, I think Quechua Chanca is a little bit more uh, common and especially in the region I'm, I'm from. Okay. It is uh, interesting. The good, uh, I mean, the good thing about it uh, lately, they said that there is about eight million speakers around uh, the <gasps> countries. So that's a lot of people that speak Quechua. That's a ton of people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's including uh, Bolivia, Ecuador, and, and Argentina and Colombia too. I would love to know, and I don't expect you to have an answer to this but I'm thinking eight million people is a lot and um you know Quechua is like 700 years old older yeah. probably <laughs> and I would imagine that there have been times where I guess similar to what you said about going to school um where the language was suppressed and it wasn't you know, not, I don't want to say fashionable, but it wasn't, I guess, popular for people to, to really speak it widely. So I would be curious to know, like, nowadays, if there's more Quechua speakers than maybe like 50 years ago. I think, uh, probably about the same. The only difference I could say that uh, nowadays people are identifying themselves more as a Quechua speakers right. than before. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would think too. And probably more people are getting in touch with their, their history, their heritage, their past, and maybe like making an effort more so than you know, in the years when maybe it wasn't really encouraged for people to speak Quechua. Like you said, like, you know, their parents speak it, but they don't, they don't let people know that they speak it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's because of like the history, uh, how the Spanish kind of prohibited all the Quechua speakers to uh, not speak their language and uh, not to do any, uh, you know, cultural ceremonies. And uh, since then, it kind of, uh, Quechua has been hiding, uh, like my grandmother says, uh, uh, it's been hiding by the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting. So the, the discrimination is pretty high at one point that uh, parents uh, didn't want their kids to go to the same uh, situation. So they encouraged their kids to learn Spanish. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that colonialism, you know, really destroyed some generations of Quechua speakers. Um, obviously not everybody, if, 
we have 8 million speakers now in the region, but it's, it's just so sad to hear that, you know, that that was the case. And um, in Peru, where Spanish is spoken, um, where in Peru, I guess, you know, like your grandmother says in the mountains, but <laughs> where are you likely to hear the language? And I guess, where are you likely to see it? Like, do you, do you see it in, I guess, the dialect of, are there words in Quechua that come into like Peruvian Spanish? Are there place names that have Quechua origins or any customs or rituals or anything in in the country in the society where you would see influences from Quechua yes and there is a lot of influences uh in Peru actually Quechua uh, you know it's it's a big uh a wide um of the Inca empire who spoke um but before the Inca we should keep in mind there was like uh, the uh, pre-Incas uh, culture along the coast in Peru and uh, when the uh, pre-Incas, um, uh, you know, they united together and the Inca empire was, uh, it grew uh, big uh, in the south. So uh, nowadays we have the region of uh, Cerro de Pasco, that's uh, Quechua Central. And then we have uh, Junín, that's another uh, dialect, I will say, Quechua Huanca. And then we have the Quechua Chanca that is spoken in my region, Huancavelica, Ayacucho, Apurimac, uh, those places. Then we have the South uh, Quechua and Quechua Coyao, that's uh, also Apurimac because Apurimac is in the kind of in the border. And Cusco, uh, Puno, Arequipa, and Moquegua. So those are the regions that are very south in Peru, and you can uh, you can hear people speaking Quechua in these regions. And uh, nowadays, and people in the mountain, uh, we still uh, you know use some concepts like Aini. Aini is the reciprocity of uh, uh, you know you kind of the expression uh, to say. I do it uh, for you today and you do it for me tomorrow. It's, it's, it's a working in a group. The way we do Aini is we go to the field if a land needs to be worked and uh, all the communities and the neighbors goes together and work in the land. And when it's finished and goes to the other person, so that way we help each other and there's not a, a money exchange in that case. I love that idea of no money. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I really uh, love the idea of I need. That's something that I would love to keep also on myself as a person. If I learn something, I will share. And I hope the other person could share something that they learned too. So that way um, we all learn together, uh, yeah. We would have a better world if we could all practice Aini. Yes, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, and something that actually in the end is that we also have um, on mind is that we all the time we do any work uh, and we respect the Pachamama. Uh, the Pachamama meaning uh, the mother earth Pachamama is a Quechua word that comes from Pacha, which is a space, place, or time. Mama is uh, like it sounds, mother. Mm. So uh, we always um, respect and before uh, we do any field work or anything, we kind of ask for the permission and we thank because we live in this earth and that's where we belong to. That's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's something that I really like to practice uh, also in, in here and also when I go to my community. 
uh, it's, it's still very present uh, up in the mountains, especially with my mother and she's still up there uh, with her animals. And my grandmother, uh, wow, she is about uh, 102 years old. And I really? love her. <laughs> yes. God bless. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I can only imagine the kind of stories that she has. <laughs> oh, yes. And I loved uh, the stories that she used to tell me. And especially, uh, she doesn't, I mean, she's amazing because she does have a lot of knowledge. She having not gone to school or, you know, she doesn't know how to read or write and she only speaks Quechua, but she has a very wide uh, advice for you, you know, an advice that will, uh, you know, serve you for all your life. And so she's the person uh, who one time told me, you know, don't be afraid of speaking Quechua because that's who we are. Mm. And I love that. And every time I remember that, uh, it gives me more reason and give me a power to keep speaking Quechua, <laughs> even though I'm not in the same place. <laughs> but you are, you are bringing it and you are bringing awareness of your heritage and your language to the world. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of her message too, you know? Well, from my opinion, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so too, yes. <laughs> Before I ask you about the language, I just, as you're talking about your grandmother and her wisdom and, and you know, the things that she's been able to, to, to teach, are there any, like, what sort of role do elders in the Quechua community play? Uh, yes, the elders play a very big role, in my opinion, especially those days, uh, because they are the ones that keep this, uh, rich knowledge, as you said, and this uh, rich um, wisdom. And in the Quechua community, uh, we always respect uh, the mothers and fathers. We, we call the Hatun Mama, um, Hatun Taita. And I think what I really like uh, about the elder, they still have this rule of the Inca empire, that it was very simple. It was just three rules that, you know, ruled the whole empire, which was um, Amasua, that means uh, don't be a thief, Amayuya, don't be a liar, and Amaheya, don't be lazy. So uh, every time, I think uh, the elderly uh, think about any situation. They go back to these rules and see uh, if you know if they are in the going to the right direction. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I really liked. Also, that they have the simple rules, but they are very powerful and. Also, they have a lot of uh, respect, uh, like I said, for the nature. And I think they knew more about the nature than we know now. And the medicine is also a big uh, influence in the Quechua communities. Uh, like my grandfather, he used to know what to do when someone got sick. Mm -hmm. and how he knew and also my amazing and I all also think that how uh, from who he learned I think he learned from Pachamama from the earth and just wanted to uh, use what we have yeah I always like to think that you can tell a lot about a community you can tell a lot about a people a society based on the way that they revere their elders. And it sounds to me like, well, from all the values that you mentioned that this is a community of people that have values, 
when a lot of places around the world are value less, it seems. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I, I, I like to hear that because I feel like in the United States, for example, like the way we treat our elders can be horrible sometimes. And the way that we don't respect them and we don't care for them and and listen to them and take into consideration that they have years of knowledge and years of experience that we can all learn from. So when I hear in another society, in another country, another part of the world that they take care of their elders and they honor them, I think that's really important. And it says a lot about the community there in the mountains, I think. Yeah, and, and you're right. Um, the The way we uh, think about our elderly here in America, it's a slightly different. That's something that also made me think uh, how we're approaching. Uh, in Peru, it's a, it's a slightly different. It's more uh, like a family um, a togetherness and stay, stay together and respect the elder. And also I get the knowledge from them. I think that's how we survive during these uh, years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow, I'm ready to come to Peru. Yes, and... you should. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I'll be happy to share you around. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to come and visit. And I've always like, I've always wanted to see the Andes mountains and mm -hmm. you know I know that pictures online don't do it justice but it just looks so beautiful and I I'm ready like whenever this situation passes <laughs> <laughs> yes I hope you had that you have that opportunity soon <laughs> I want to know about the language of Quechua what are some of the things that I guess someone learning the language or maybe someone listening to it, what are some of the hallmarks of the language? Um, is it tonal? How do you form sentences? Are there particular greetings for certain people in the community? Um, tell me what you can about the language itself and how it works. Yes, uh, to understand better the language, um, probably I mentioned before, and I said that it was only oral language. So uh, it's uh, a little challenging, and that's why we have all different um, dialects in different parts. So, but the good thing is that we are uh, building up an alphabet and uh, borrowing some words uh, from words or especially uh, alphabet letters from English to uh, be able to write and preserve the language. Mm -hmm. So uh, most of the time, um, the sounds probably will uh, be slightly different in different regions, different depending on the dialect. But I think as long as you learn one of the dialect, you will be okay. So normally the language is uh, very agglutinative. Okay. So meaning that you have the root of the word, then you can uh, keep add adding a suffix that it will have a sentence. Um, for example, if I say the word rimai, rimai means speak. It's... Uh, it's a verb, then uh, we have, we can say erimani, we add the N-I, then I am saying, I speak. Then we can say the same sentences in the past. We can say erimadehani, I said in the past, I spoke. So you can add some suffix in the future and in the past or in the present and use the same root word. Mm. So if we use, uh, for example, an object, maybe we can use it, the house. Uh, 
and a house in Quechua is Wasi. Then uh, Wasi is just house. Then uh, we can add uh, Wasicha, that means a little house. Uh, then we can add another suffix. We can say Wasichaiki, that's your house. Then we can start building up from the root of that word wasi to a very long um, word that it could be wasi chaiki kuna pacha. So that's um, it, maybe for your little house. That's a little sentence. That's the whole sentence. So from from one little uh, word, you can build a long word and a, a sentence. So that's how Quechua works. Uh, the good thing is about when you know one word, you already can play with it and you can learn the language easily. Mm -hmm. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing about that, uh, talking about like a reading Quechua, I'm still learning. Uh, how to write in Quechua, even though I spoke some, uh, like I spoke some Quechua in when I was in the mountain, but I didn't know how to write. So I'm learning how to write. Uh, hopefully uh, that way I could spread more Quechua in a writing way. So I'll be happy to do that. When did the writing, when did people start focusing on in introducing written Quechua? Well, it started from, um, there was a writer, uh, Jose Maria Arguedas. He was an anthro anthropologist and he was one of the first indigenous uh, author. And his name Jose Maria Arguedas, mm. uh, if you wanna look it up. and. He has some books and I have seen that there are some books available also online in English. Um, so he talks about, uh, he writes in Quechua, uh, borrowing the Spanish uh, alphabets. So, uh, he, so he was the first uh, person who kind of put uh, the life of Quechuans in a book. Mm -hmm. and explain how, uh, you know, how is the life in the Andes? How is the uh, indigenous people treated when he was young? It was interesting that uh, his story is that he doesn't look indigenous. Uh, well, he has kind of a little look of indigenous, but he belonged to this uh, uh, family that has some land, but unfortunately his mother passed away. So he was, he left, uh, he lived in the Andes with uh, the indigenous community. And he could experience this both world of how uh, people are treated in the, in the fields, in the campus and how people is treated in, in the monarchy. Uh, so uh, he writes of all his experience in his book. One of his uh, book, my favorite book is Todas las Sangres, that means all bloods. So it speaks um, about his experience in, in the Andes. Interesting. I want to read that. It, yeah, it's interesting. And you can, I think, find in Amazon. Is it only in Spanish? Uh, I found it in English. So okay. I think other books also uh, are translated in English. Okay. I'm not sure, but all the bloods are. Okay. I and I, yeah, Yawar Fiesta, Yawar Fiesta, it's another, well, that's a Quechua word, Yawar uh, Fiesta. And as soon as you look for Jose Maria Arguedas books, then you can probably uh, find um, a list of his books. Okay. I will, I will take care of that because I, this sounds really interesting to me. <laughs> there are languages, there are languages that are related to Quechua, right? Um, 
I'm thinking, I'm blanking on the word. Um, it begins with an A. Aymara. Aymara. <laughs> I was close. So with, I, <laughs> with, with languages like Aymara that are related, well, I don't know how related Aymara is, but I guess indigenous languages spoken in the same region, do you know, are there any similarities or any, um, you know, any, any similarities between the two? Mm -hmm. uh, I am not very, very familiar with Aymara, but it's an indigenous language in Peru and it's widely spoken. I wish I could know uh, more to have like that big differences. Uh, I have heard uh, people speaking Aymara. I do understand a little, especially the numbers. Uh, maybe it's one of the common, but I don't know if it's how many numbers in Aymara could be similar to Quechua, uh, but some words are similar because uh, somehow, uh, you know, indigenous community, like any other languages, I think uh, we can borrow uh, words from uh, other languages as well. Okay. And I also wanted to mention about borrowing uh, Quechua language, I'm sorry, uh, like words from languages. It's interesting that we have in the United States some words that uh, we use and we don't probably kind of know that it comes from Quechua. And it, it was interesting um, to find out when I came to the United States. So one of these words is uh, charki or chargi. Um, then the word llama, it's mm -hmm. uh, very wide used. And quinoa, you know, the food, the grain. Yeah. And, uh, then we have condor. Also, it's a catchful word. Really? And, uh, yeah. And we have other uh, words as well, like one I think we use as well in English. So it's interesting how uh, the Quechua languages are used in English and in the Spanish too, because we also use them in Spanish. Yeah, like, you know what really always surprises me? Quinoa. And I always think of it, and I actually, I had quinoa for dinner last night. <laughs> and I love it. And it's the thing that I always wanted to know, and I don't want you to be the spokesperson, but just if, if you have any thoughts or if you've ever, like, if you know anything about it, I'd always wonder, like, how do people from places where quinoa is grown, like in, in Peru, how often do, do people there eat quinoa? And what do they think about the way that quinoa is portrayed in America as this like health food and, you know, this, especially with everyone going plant-based and being vegan, it seems like quinoa is just so hot. Like everyone has quinoa at some point, it's in everything. Like, I wonder how people, and for the past couple of years, like I've wondered how, you know, how people in Peru and other parts of South America feel about that? It's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's interesting because uh, growing up in the Andes, my grandfather used to farm quinoa. Hmm. And uh, quinoa, uh, we treated especially my uh, grandmother like a, a, a grain of a basic uh, grain, but a powerful grain, and she called uh, mama quinoa. Mm. That means, uh, you know, mother quinoa because it's the food that gives us all the nutrition. Mm. And my grandma used to say, you know, it, we shouldn't spread it uh, anywhere because it's one of the grain we kind of uh, appreciate a lot. So. Uh, then uh, little by little when you know my grandfather couldn't farm anymore so quinoa also was uh, not farmed in our uh, in the mountain uh, 
but when I came to the United States, uh, I saw quinoa accessible and a good price everywhere. Mm -hmm. So as a Peruvian, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to eat quinoa every day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, uh, like you said, like how many people in Peru are not eating quinoa and exporting quinoa? So I cannot speak for the whole country, but for my little region, uh, quinoa is not a common food anymore. It has a kind of, um, people are not farming. Uh, I think it's because more people are migrating to Mm -hmm. the cities. Uh, But if you go to the markets in Peru, quinoa is very expensive to afford. And that gave me, you know, a thought of like, why it's so expensive for our own people. Right. Yeah. Right. I I do, I do think of that. And it's a completely different conversation. Um, But it's, it's really sad that, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I can... (laughs) I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts about this and I just feel like I don't want (laughs) to I don't want to get off topic but but I do think that it's it's unfortunate is the word I was going to use but it's it's beyond unfortunate because you know it's something that belongs to the people of the Andes and to not have accessibility to it as consumers is yeah, I think Moses, uh, you know, why the accessibility, especially the price down there, it's, it's higher. I mean, it's great that we have here in the United States. Uh, and also, uh, I think it's probably part of the strategy of the economy <laughs> in Peru that needs to be regulated or somehow. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so... Because Quechua is a language that is mostly oral, I would imagine that, or I would say has been because it's starting to, um, you know, people are, are writing the language now. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that there's a very rich oral tradition and maybe even tradition musically of songs and maybe poetry and spoken legend. Is that the case? Yes. It's interesting that Quechua, it's a lot of of that storytelling, music, singing. Mm. So it's a lot, uh, it has also dance, you know, how you uh, live the language. And I think my grandmother, she um, wasn't a singer. She wasn't like, you know, performer, but naturally of her culture, that's something that uh, uh, we used to do. And I love how she maintained her language. And most of the time in the mountains, the songs are dedicated of the daily life uh, and to the animals, to the Pachamama. Mm. And we have songs for everything. I started from, uh, you know, like uh, grazing the sheep uh, and also harvesting and working in a group. And there is a song. I think that was uh, a way to be uh, together and also at the same time work together singing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so interesting and I do like to practice or keep my Quechua singing singing you know some songs that I do remember from my uh, grandmother sometimes I do listen uh, online which uh, a lot of music uh, has been available online these days yeah. so that's something that I like to uh, keep alive but yes, music, storytelling, singing is a part of the big, um, a, the culture, the Quechua culture, and how to keep the culture alive and how to keep the language alive. 
as far as storytelling goes, are there or is there a story that maybe every Quechua speaker knows? Like maybe like a part of like an epic story or like a legend or um, maybe even a song, um, like an, an old, old song that like everybody knows the words to or everyone knows some version of it. Wow, yeah, there are several uh, like expression and words that everyone know, knows in Peru. Uh, for example, just a, a, a word that is very common, uh, it's yapa, yapa chaikuai. That means, uh, could you give me a second or could you give me a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, a yapita, it's a, in Spanish. It's very well used in Peru. And stories, um, it depends on the region. Uh, most of the time, it's said that the Inca Empire was um, built uh, when Mama Okyo and, uh, you know, appeared from the, from the lake. So, and uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting uh, story. Um, but I can't speak for uh, all the regions. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, there's uh, several words uh, used until now. Okay. Uh, in, in Peru, I think it's a lot of mixed. Sometimes uh, even the speakers doesn't know that it's a Quechua word. <laughs> <laughs> How are Quechua speakers able to retain and use their language and continue to pass on their language to the next generation in Peru where Spanish is used in official capacity? Uh, yes, that's a little challenging is if especially um, Spanish is, uh, you know, everywhere. So that's what happened in my little town that only my grandmother, it was the only person that I could speak Quechua to and the rest was uh, mostly in Spanish. They could understand me in Quechua, but, you know, the answer was in Spanish. So the same thing happens, I think, in a lot of communities in Peru. Uh, I think uh, most of the parents now or young uh, generation are getting conscious of the language and they're trying to learn and parents are trying uh, their best to keep their kids to learn Quechua. Uh, but it was a moment that Quechua population was decaying when, uh, you know, there was, a, when the discrimination was very prominent in Peru. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but these days is uh, it's amazing that uh, I have experienced the little kids are asking how to say this in Quechua and how, what do you mean with this? And I saw this uh, in somewhere, could you tell me what does it mean? So there's a lot of interest in the John community those days uh, to learn Quechua. And I think uh, that will be, that's a good start. Mm. And something that the school system, especially the, uh, I think the government hasn't pushed is to maybe have uh, the Quechua language as a course, uh, as a part of the curriculum. And I think it's something that all Peruvians uh, will really appreciate and have that opportunity to learn, uh, uh, you know, Quechua, your original language. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you know that or if you know if if kids are learning the language in school or learning some portion of the language in schools. There are some part of Peru uh, that are teaching in Quechua or the, you know, Quechua is available, but in the, in my region, in Huancavelica, there's not that option yet. So I hope in the future uh, we have that option and that uh, opportunity for the kids to choose to learn uh, Quechua. And I think having that, I, 
option in the curriculum will make a lot of difference. I know uh, they encourage, uh, I mean, they don't encourage it, but uh, there is English and uh, French and other languages, uh, but I think Quechua should be valued the same. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I think that would be so powerful. Um, in what ways does Quechua reflect the culture and the differences um, among people in Peru? So uh, Quechua, Quechuans usually also identified by the clothing. Uh, it's one of the uh, you know big differences especially the regions in Cusco, Apurimac, and as you can see in um, my picture, but uh, uh, you have your uh, something that you wear around and it's like a little blanket that is uh, handmade. And most of the women uh, wear this in the Andes. And I think uh, that's something that, you know, makes a difference between people in the coast and in the Andes. Uh, but ultimately, like especially lately, a lot of people who have uh, migrated from the Andes live in the big cities in the coast and they are uh, identifying themselves as a Quechua speakers, as uh, as the Andeans. So it's kind of uh, getting inclusion. I see a little as uh, inclusion a little bit more and they are trying to speak up and saying that, you know, we are uh, Quechua speakers, we are uh, Cholos, like uh, we call ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean, uh, you know, because I belong to the Andes and because I wear this clothes, I should be uh, discriminated. Mm. I like that. And you mentioned your picture. So I just want to describe that you're wearing a hat from what I can see in the photo. Yes. <laughs> and what is the name of the, what is the name of the hat that you're wearing? Uh, we have the hat is called Sombrero Macora. So it's a very typical from my little town is Santiago Chocorvos. And I am way up in the mountain it's called San Miguel de Curis. So we usually wear that sombrero. And uh, then I have my yigia. It's a blanket that uh, we fold and we have, we carry things in the middle. What I like about the, the yigia, and we all um, use pretty much yigia in the Andes, that you can put anything in there. Uh, you can carry as a backpack. And if you get cold, you use that blanket to cover your shoulders and your bag. And also mothers use this yigia to carry their babies. So I was, uh, I grew up uh, in my mom's bag, uh, carried by a yigia. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes them? Are they, they're handmade. Um gonna assume that they're handmade are they yes uh so to tell a little bit about that story my grandmother uh has ships and uh, she had uh, i'll say sheep um then llamas and alpacas so uh, she was very um a woman that really liked to make things and she spin the wool and we have to shear it and wash it and spin the wool. And uh, one of my favorite activity to help her was to spin uh, the wool. And <laughs> so I remember with my cousin saying like, oh, let's go where grandma is. I'm going to spin. And the, you know, the wool. <laughs> so those are my favorite activity when I was growing up. Uh, but the yikia is made um, out of uh, sheep wool. And uh, the colors are normally dyed with uh, plants uh, that you can find around. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, handmade uh, in a loom. And uh, the colorful ones, um, you know, you have different other natural colors that you can dye. And I do have a very 
big memories of dyeing the wool and spinning the wool and also getting ready for um, the yikia to be made. That was a very uh, long work, like work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, but I love uh, the how uh, the yikia is made. I think that's uh, something that our ancestors have given us a knowledge how to, uh, you know, make those uh, yikias in a loom and make all the designs. You cannot see very well in the picture, but it has some uh, designs and uh, also uh, kind of like uh, animals that you can see in there too. Are they ever made for special occasions or are they generally for all purpose? Generally, in my town, for all purposes, okay. uh, there are certain pieces uh, in other regions that are made for special occasions. I'm going to look these up because as you're describing it, it sounds beautiful. And I bet that they are beautiful and very yeah. warm. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some in my closet. So sometimes I just get my yigia and just walk around. <laughs> <laughs> for people who are listening and for people who don't have any connection to Quechua and the community or Peru, how can people support the language and support the people who speak the language in order to help continue its preservation, spoken and written? Yes, I think... Uh creating spaces like this. And thank you for this opportunity to open this space, uh, you know, so people can know about Quechua. I think uh, it's great to create spaces uh, in social media to kind of uh, give awareness because uh, I think most indigenous speakers are afraid to speak their language because they are not empowered. I think it's good to be empowered and to be heard and uh, to be able to understand about their culture as well. Because I think we all uh, accepting the diversity, uh, we can make a better world. And I think it's good as well to normalize, as someone said the other day in a meeting, uh, normalize that multilingualism, because it's a it's the way that you can communicate to others about other languages, about other people's knowledge, and I think speaking uh, like indigenous language like Quechua uh, shouldn't make you any uh, any less as a person, yeah, and creating that opportunity to uh, be listened, uh, opportunity to uh, spread um, the knowledge, I think uh, it's the best way to support. And uh, I have seen a lot of uh, in Peru uh, programs that are starting open up to the public, especially like a TB uh, where people can, or little kids can learn Quechua. I think that's a great opportunity. And universities are accepting, in Peru, are accepting some um, dissertations in Quechua. That's a big achievement. Yeah. And I think little by little, we are being integrated. And especially this year, we have a big I don't know if I call celebration, but I'll say a big um, time to think about because we are celebrating the 200 years of independence this month in Peru. Yeah. So I think uh, it's a time that we can think about, like, you know, what we have gone through and what we are doing and what we still need to uh, do. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, keeping in mind that we all diverse, 
uh, especially in Peru, we have 48 indigenous languages and Quechua is one of the most spoken languages. And like you mentioned, there's Aymara and this is Chipibo. And uh, those languages also should be heard. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I and I, I, I also hope that after 200 years, it's a chance to reflect on where Peru is going and how to bring the past into the future. Exactly, yeah. I think we have um, for so many years kind of forgotten about our roots and kind of uh, just focused uh, what was maybe uh, the future of other languages, but our language. So I think now it's kind of grab what we really are and just uh, move forward, uh, being more included in the community. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that I didn't think to ask you? I want to share this uh, little song. Uh, it's uh, from the uh, singer. She's a Bolivian singer, Luzmila Carpio. She's also Aymara speaker. Mm. And she has uh, written a lot of uh, beautiful songs in Quechua. And I really like uh, this song, so I'm going to share and, and, and translate it as well. Okay. Waranghawata pasachu Amachinka chunchu Waranghawata pasachu Amachinka chunchu Quechua parlaininchi Shuya yaka kuchu. Keshua parlaininchi. Shuya yaka kuchu. So that's a little piece of um, the song that means even though uh, thousands of years has passed by, our Quechua language should be clear and alive. Thank you so much for singing. And I was going to ask you earlier if you wanted to sing a song, but I didn't want <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't want to make you feel like you had to, but I'm so I'm really truly honored that you sang this song for this episode and no one's ever sang a song before. So I'm double honored. <laughs> Oh, thank you for giving me this space and talking about Quechua. It's a language that I love. It's a language of my grandfathers and my fathers, so my grandparents. Yeah. So I want to keep alive the language and the wisdom as well. Luz, thank you so much for having this conversation. And before I forget, I want you to tell everyone where we can find you on social media. Sure, I have a page that I share some of uh, pictures from the Andes when I'm there. And, and that page is um, Quechua Tarimai. That's like the word Quechua. Then you add T-A. So that's Quechua Tarimai. So that's the word uh, speak. So that means speak Quechua. You can find me in Instagram and Facebook and also in Clubhouse. We'll be talking about some Quechua words and maybe singing as well in Clubhouse. So, Well, if you're uh, going to be singing on Clubhouse, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please uh, come and join us. And yes, I will be sharing a little bit more of Quechua. And as I said, um, I would love to learn more and share as well. Thank you so much. I will add your links to your social media in the show notes for this episode so that anyone listening will be able to click and just find you right away. Thank you so much, Ellie. So I'm going to say... Uh, Hasta luego, or that, that means to Pananchikama. And 
Quechua, we don't have a word that it says goodbye. So we have a word, Tupananchikama, uh, that means until next time. Before we say Tupananchikama, I have mm -hmm. one more question for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> Do you have any jokes, tongue twisters, cool slang words, any oh, <laughs> words of wisdom or words of advice in Quechua to share? Wow, I kind of went blank. <laughs> but I will say um, the expression uh, that my grandma used to say Quechuari my ninchita anchata kaipachisum wichaiman puridichisum. That means uh, our Quechua language always will be um, how to literally translate like uh, forward will uh, spread our Quechua language without being afraid. Okay. Yes. Can you teach it to me? Runa siminchita. Runa siminchita. Wichaiman. Wichaiman. Apasun. Apasun. Great. <laughs> <laughs> My first catcher was saying. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much no i love to do that because i want people to i want people to try every every time i want people to, i want people to hear you know the answer to this question and i like to try i think there's never any harm in trying and quechua is a fun language to say the pronunciations are i like how they i like how it sounds yes and the sounds is a it's it, I like the sound. Uh, it's like a singing kind of. Yeah. And I also wanted to add, like, uh, saying, like, to be able to speak Quechua, I think has helped me to learn English as well. Because some sounds we might not have in Spanish, but uh, our tongue are maybe uh, used to where uh, make the sounds. So it makes it a little easier to learn other languages. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward to learning more Quechua from you. I will be following you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually ask like how to say goodbye, but you already taught me to Tupanachikama. Great. Tupanachikama. <laughs> I love that word. I have to... I have to try to get it into my vocabulary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you so much again for this conversation, Luz. I will be talking to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank Tupanachikama. you. Tupanachikama. Bye. Bye.